Welcome to Your Divorce Planner Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B., certified divorce coach, event expert, and go-to gal for navigating the next steps of your divorce journey. I'm so happy you've tuned in for the tools, topics, and truth talk to start transforming your life today. I truly believe that with a powerful planning partner, you will heal the heartbreak and move forward faster. Without further delay, let's continue creating your comeback today. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited for our guest this week. We have Stacey Shapansky, and she is the author of the newly released book titled Unlocking Love, How Being Catfished Deepened by Faith and Led Me on a Journey to Wholeness. Stacy is a former classroom teacher and now finds joy in being a literacy coach. She enjoys traveling, being out in nature, and taking the time to enjoy God's little blessings. Through her healing journey, Stacy has grown to recognize singleness as a gift and loves meeting new people. Welcome to the show, Stacy. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited too, because not only are we featuring you as a first-time author, but your story is one of a kind and something that so many people really need to know about, hear about, grow with. Um, it's just going to be so totally fabulous. We met through a good friend of both of ours, didn't know each other. And as soon as I talked to you in our little pre-show, I was like, I love this girl. I want to be friends with her. She is amazing. So you just have so much love and light to share. And I know there's just so much purpose and passion behind this particular piece, this book. Um, in fact, I remember you telling me that your book is like seven years in the making, right? Like yes. that's a long, that's a long time. Um, so take us back. First of all, what was your intention for even, even writing this book? Like how did you get like that, that nudge? Like I should write a book. It's been a full seven years as of this past June 27th. Um, and I, everything surfaced around being catfished. Um, I slightly found out who the person was who catfished me. Um, just everything surfacing. And as soon as I did, um, I just felt God clearly state to me. And speak into me, Stacey, you will write a book someday for others to feel less alone. Ooh. And so I just, um, I knew it was, I knew it has always been on my heart and in my mind. And it wasn't until four years later from that point that I started writing. Um, when I had then got through a couple of different relationships, um, averaging around two years each and the last breakup, I just remember being at my parents' lake and laptop in hand, and I just started typing and not realizing how or where this would take me. And it, I've been writing it for the past three years, and it has been a journey. Wow. It's, it's definitely no easy feat, not just to write a book, but to write something that is so deeply personal, that is a real true story of your account through heartbreak, through growth, through journeying back to yourself. Like all of those things combined are very vulnerable, vulnerable topics. And I know, like you said, like a big reason for you is to help others feel less alone. Why is that so important to you? 
Oh, good question, Heidi. Um, <laughs> I felt so alone. You know, that was in, oh my goodness. I started talking to this person online um, in 2009-ish, I would have to say. And social media was just kind of getting into the groove of things and it just wasn't talked about. So yeah. when I had grown up with kind of like that fairy tale mindset of the Disney books of how relationships should be, um, quote unquote, should be. Yeah. I just, I can state now that I was just naive and mm-hmm. um, I wanted to be loved like everybody does. And in order, instead of looking inward, I, uh, this person was telling me everything that filled me at that time. Yeah. Um, so I just, when everything surfaced, I just felt alone and I knew I didn't want others to feel that. Yeah. It's, it's really wild when we, I had the same, not the same situation happen, but obviously through divorce, which a lot of our listeners have heard uh, plenty of, <laughs> you just wake up and, and, and it kind of does just hit you like, wow, I, I, I really feel like I don't really know who I am. I don't know who, I don't. I don't even know who to talk to about this. I don't really know what to say or what to think or what to feel about this. And a lot of that happens when there's this this phrase that I've coined um, that is that's called like the significant other syndrome, where basically what happens is we find our significance, which is one of our basic core needs from the other person that we're in partnership with. And when that significance, when we only when we place so much of our significance only on that, and forget to lean on ourselves for our own significance and filling and filling ourselves up first. Then, when that partnership disappears in any way, shape, or form, like it never feels good. But when that disappears and it's been your hub of significance for such a long time, you kind of go like, "What is it now? Who am I now?" Like there was so much attachment to this other other half of me instead of being whole first. So I get that. What did it feel like? What did aloneness feel for feel like for you? Well, you know what? I look back and I don't think that aloneness came right away. Honestly, I am a very driven, independent woman. I'm an Enneagram one and I planned the T. So once everything surfaced, I was in go mode. Like I yeah. Needed to find, figure out a job because I was planning on moving to California. And so in that aspect, I look back on these past seven years and I've talked to my life coach therapist about this of, I wasn't ready to unpack it yeah. all. I was in survival mode and it wasn't until years later that um, I sat with being alone. And it's not, um, what's that, what's that phrase? It's, you're not, a, you're not lonely by your, what, do you remember? I do know which one I'm talking about. Um, oh, it's about difference between about being alone and being lonely. Yeah. So I just, honestly, I started dating, um, after I moved back to the West side of Michigan and it wasn't the healthiest. Like, cause again, I was trying to fill that 
And it wasn't until after my second serious relationship that I really, my faith is really um, important to me. And COVID-19 happened and I was digging in and he necessarily wasn't. And so it really took a season of singleness, which I've been single for the past three years now. And I've dated off and on, but I knew that I needed to um, love and be with myself before I could love and be with someone else. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it just, I look and I write about it in my book about the gift of singleness and it's how you look at that as singleness. And even, I mean, there's, a gift of being married, married too. Um, but in the yeah. season I'm in right now, it is, it is a gift. I get to go and travel and experience life. Um, and I wouldn't have had that when, or if I was married or with another significant other. Mm-hmm. So finding my true identity, and that's part three of my book, um, discovering my own identity and who God has made me to be. And in who Stacy is. Mm, it's amazing how so much of like I realized in my own journey that finding my true, deepest, loved self from from myself for myself would probably not have come unless I went through what I went through because I didn't have to. I I didn't have to. I I relied on someone else to help me decide who I was going to be, how I was going to show up, what I was going to like. And it wasn't a forceful, controlling type of a situation. It was literally just like kind of almost my own laziness of choosing to morph into someone else rather than create this version of me. Because like you said, there's just so many societal norms or so many societal beliefs that are pushed on us, especially when we're in our 20s, when we're in our teens and our 20s, our most morphable years where we buy into these BS beliefs, I call them. We buy into these BS beliefs and we just don't even know that they're not real for us or true for us until something happens where we have to finally figure it out for ourselves and put our BS beliefs on the line and put our values on the line and rewrite the story. And when that happens, it can totally transform you if you let it. So I love that you used one of my favorite phrases, which is I get to. Um, I truly, truly believe in a process called language to thrive. And you can either use language to survive and there's there's a necessary time for that, or you can use language to thrive. And rather than I have to, or I can't, or I, I'm, it, I'm limited by, it's like I get to. And, and I, I just love so much that you said that focus piece of that. And that, that again, that, that thriving mentality, that thriving, um, language is the gift of singleness. I have a dear friend of mine that said on one of my podcast episodes, she said, if you're feeling lonely, I want you to ask yourself, do I like who I'm with when I'm alone? And think about that. Do you like who you're with when you're alone? Because the chances are there's probably some things to get curious about and explore if you don't. And I really think that after she said that, so much changed for me. I was like, wow, it's not 
It's not that I don't enjoy being alone. That was a little part of it. But the bigger part was that I wasn't sure of who I was when I was alone. And I didn't fully love her and embrace her and accept her. I just let her just kind of numb out and feel lost. And none of that felt good. So I just love that you said the gift of signal singleness. Um, so we, we are kind of like skirting around it a little bit. And I don't want to give away all the nuggets from your book, but what, what is your story? Um, from the catfishing? Do you go into detail with that? Or is that something that's kind of more privately held? What do you want people to know about that element specifically? It has actually evolved. Uh, I think what I want people to know, one, um, it's still not talked about how how often it happens. And, you know, when something like that happens, um, you might be filled with shame or guilt, like all the red flags. You know, when I was going through this, um, and I'm going to call it a relationship because it was a long time that I had been talking to this person. And then about the last year, year and a half is when I, I personally committed and air quotes. Um, and it's just been a, a journey. It didn't happen overnight. And I, I really look back and reread, I've reread all my journals to write this book. Um, I'm a journaler, a writer, no pun intended of writing a book, <laughs> but, um, to see in interwoven in all of my journals, me writing about my gut and, I've, I've, knowing my faith is how it is and how essential I feel. It is one of my top, um, core, core values. And I truly believe and can name right now that my gut has been the Holy Spirit talking to me. So you can talk about intuition, anything you want to name it, but your gut talks to you. And I knew it when during that time frame, um, and I didn't want to admit it. So until I was able to admit it, until I was ready, and I just talked to my mom, my mom and I had a, our a fall mother's daughter weekend this past weekend. And we sat in the car because this book is vulnerable, you know, yeah. and we just had a, we cried, we talked and, and we're, she expressed that, she, you know, she wishes she might have pushed a little bit for more during that time. And I reassured her and I write about it in the book of, I had friends wanting to hire an investigator, all these things. I I knew my parents and my mom, especially like knew something was wrong, but I was not, I was not ready to hear it. Yeah. That's where the book actually starts is the day I find out everything. Yeah. And it just kind of clicks. So that's the main event. And then the book goes into how did I get there? Like mm. I talk a little bit about my childhood, about what you had said about the societal norms and the time life timeline that society and our culture puts on us. Yeah. Um, and then you also go through, you know, your 20s and even 30s of, well, I'm not on this time frame. 
You know, what is something wrong with me? You know, I've had those. Yeah. Moments and I'm sure those will ebb and flow still, but acknowledging them and bringing them to the surface. And so that's kind of like the logistics of the book. And then I dig a little deeper into um, the the manipulation and the gaslighting that this person did during the time that we talked, which at that time I had no idea. You know, right. Why would you if you've never had an experience like that before or an interaction with someone like that before? uh, You don't actually really know what's happening until after the fact. I've heard this, not your version before, but other women's versions before. And it's like you can't blame yourself because you've never been through it before. This was very unfamiliar. So you just take the what you do know and you kind of run with it. I also think it's really interesting. I love that you said like. I just wasn't ready to admit it because I think that's so huge for so many of us. And I think that comes from, at least for me, it came from a space of like, oh my gosh, I have invested so much time and so much energy. And the most important thing is so much trust and vulnerability into this person, no matter whether, no matter who they are, what's happened. Because in my experience, like I, I knew this man for 11 years, right? Yeah. So yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's 11 days or 11 months or 11 years. Like if you're not ready to admit what's actually happening inside yourself, then you're going to find what you want to find. So we, if we look for a while, I, all I really want is partnership now. Like I'm going to find it and I'm going to hold on to it so tightly that my horse blinders are just on. Like I can only look down this path and nowhere else. And no matter what anyone says, even if it makes logical sense, like I just I have to keep going down this path that I want to believe in so hard, like so much. I want to believe that this can happen for me. Finally, I've been waiting forever. Like those are the types of stories we tell ourselves as women, right? Yeah. Well, and I and there's so much I want to respond to about that. Um, but I'll start with that because even even you saying that, Heidi. Um, so I had dated someone for about two years, off and on. That was that's all part of my book as well. And then my last boyfriend. Um, I look back and I knew week four. Like I, we were almost together for two years and I knew week four, there was just something. Um, but I was in the land of, well, this is, this is, he's a nice guy. You know, we have fun together. Um, but like if there's always- not, if there's not something wrong, we're like, why would I stop going down this path? Even though like there's no, there's not, there doesn't have to be anything wrong for it to not be right for you. Yeah. That's right. It, yeah. Yeah. So true. And I, uh, along with those lines, and this was something else too that you had mentioned. I can't remember, remember exactly what you said, but, um, allowing yourself to grieve as well. Grieving those times of you putting on the blinders. Um, yes. grieving and forgiving yourself. And that ta- all of this takes time. Yeah. Everyone, you know, we live in a society in a world that is urgent and next best thing and fast pace. And 
for me, it was taking COVID to shut it all down and slow down and um, realize that we only get today. And that kind of happened to once everything surfaced with my life coach um, named him as Scammer, our first meeting. So I don't call him. It's interesting because this is such a side note, a little inside scoop. I have called him Scammer ever since that two days after everything happened with my life coach. And when I was writing this book, I was trying to figure out a, a name for him. And like Michelle's my life coach and she was giving me some examples. I'm like, no, they're just not fitting. What did fit though was the name I had known him as. So that's his name in the book. And right. But it took seven years to like, I feel good about it. And I read it and it's like that release. Um, I don't know how I got on that, but it's, it is that grieving period too. And I, I write about all the nights that I have my box of Kleenex and all the snotty tissues surrounding because your tears need to get out. It's going oh, to, yeah. you. and um, they weren't fun. <laughs> it's not easy. And I know you, I have listened, I've talked to you, but also um, listened to a couple of your iPods or podcasts about just your experience of being on the ground and like, yeah. just get up. Yeah. Just get feet moving. And remember that while you're in it, it might feel sticky, you know, muddy. Yeah. And you, it's a valley. I've come to known it as the valley. And uh, one of the pictures I drew in my journal was this valley in the valley, I drew flowers and water because that's where, honestly, I look back now and that's where I grew the most. Yeah. Honestly, that's one of the phrases I always use too is like, grief is our growth. It is our friend. It is part of our path. And if we can grow with it instead of shove it down, it really is, a, it is growing our capacity to handle pain. It grows our capacity to expand into a different level of ourselves. It grows our capacity to trust ourselves and trust our gut. Because if we didn't before and this comes about, then now is the time to actually acknowledge. That's why I still, I'll go back to when you said like, I didn't want to admit it. When you admit it and you allow it to be there and then you allow yourself to feel everything that's there then you can have the release and peace that you deserve and desire. But our grief has to be witnessed. And so often I see so many people make the mistake of just shoving it down, trying to distract, trying to ignore it, trying to like wish their way or pray their way. Like sometimes we can try to use God and manipulate God, right? Like pray their way out of it instead of praying for them to have the strength to navigate through it. Like, right? Like, give me the yeah. strength to navigate through the grief, through the pain. Give me the strength to forgive myself for not, for only knowing what I knew and only knowing how to do what I could do with what I knew then. And like you said, so many people didn't know about catfish. Like, unless you watch that TV show, which maybe wasn't even out at that time, like you didn't know that this was a thing and people were pretending to be other people. Just 
Yeah. Well, and that's that's actually how I did watch Catfish in high school. And that's how I remembered that day that my first chapter of my book, the event, um, that's the show I thought of. And that actually is the show that helped surface these fake profiles and these fake this deception that it literally I remember when I again, oh, this is my book. Please give my book. (laughs) <laughs> all of it, but when I first inserted that first photograph into a Google image, it literally was tons of bricks coming off my shoulders oh. because it's that feeling of, oh my gosh, I knew something was, wasn't right. And I've been holding this. And like you had said, I used to be for the first 23 years of my life until I left Michigan to start my career in South Carolina, I was a stuffer, you know, like I want to do everyone. I want to please everyone. And I stuffed away and I needed to break in order to um, refill and rebuild myself. And I wanted to touch base on this too. Just um, probably like six months ago, I was out with a couple girlfriends for our girls night. And while I was updating them about my book, one of my friends was Google searching like catfish. And she goes, Stace, there's really not a whole lot out there around it. And so it just, the awareness piece and not just for, I think you asked me at the beginning, like the purpose around writing. So for women and people to feel less alone, but also it's not just, someone in a relationship. I also want parents and families and caregivers to know um, what might be going on behind closed doors of mm-hmm. their child's, you know, in their child's bedroom. And it, it, it's the world we live in. And again, I, you can look at me um, and I come from an amazing family, great parents, Loving, like support of the basketball, athletic, faith, you know, church going, faith, all the things. Yeah, all the things happened to me. Yes. That is so, that's so important. This isn't like a secluded, uh, an isolated thing to people who are just like uneducated or, you know, just don't have access to technology. This is actually something I just got a download on something. So I'm just going to say it and see how it lands with you. But I, I actually think there's another layer of this that I never thought about before. And that is that there's catfishing and we actually didn't even define it for our audience. So it's kind of like when you have been in relationship with someone or they presented themselves to you online, but uh, they are misrepresenting themselves through photographs and uh, maybe their occupation, all the things, right? It can get crazy out of hand. It can be men pretending to be women, women pretending to be men. Um, it can be all sorts of things, but in, at the end of the day, this person hasn't presented themselves and revealed themselves in, in a way that is actually them. But I wonder about the, uh, the other side of this, not the other side, but, uh, but another layer of this and that people can kind of be a different level of catfished in real life. And what I mean by that is, have you ever been in a relationship where someone presents themselves in a way, maybe you're even 
living with them or dating them and going out on dates and you see their, you see who they are and maybe they do work at that law firm or that, you know, whatever. I just picking random stuff, but, um, they do say that they go to church every Sunday and they do. So they, they feed. I think that there's this, this bigger concept that a lot of times we don't show up as a version of ourselves or some folks don't show up as the version of themselves that they truly authentically are. And I think that even in real lifetime in person, you can be catfished by someone by getting into a relationship and then two, four, 20 years down the line, they're like, actually, that's not me anymore. And they're, I don't mean they grow into someone different. That's different. But the way someone has presented themselves and their values and who they are and what they care about and how they, how, how they interact with their family and all those things that are important to them. And then all of a sudden you've committed to that person deeply, deeply, whatever that means for you. And you feel catfished um, or you feel betrayed. You feel betrayed by a misrepresentation or a flat out lie of right. who they actually are. And that is that is the ultimate betrayal. It's extremely painful. And I see women go through this all the time when they've had a partner for a long time. And then maybe there's infidelity or not. But all of a sudden, it's just it's just the ultimate betrayal to have someone just now surface that you feel like you don't even know who they are. Right. And how scary, you know, such a scary feeling. And then it also makes me wonder. I don't know if wonder is the word I want to use, but makes me do, do. It does make me wonder, like if a situation like that happens, um, no matter what version it is, like you always have a choice as well. So when that betrayal or deception or biggest lie that you've probably gone through like happens, you can stay in that land and wallow in it, or you can pick yourself back up and choose the way forward. Yeah. Knowing that takes time and knowing that takes putting yourself First, sometimes, you know, so often, especially as women, um, we put others first. And that's to being single. This is part of the gift of being single. Um, It is. It's you get the time to develop yourself and find out who you are. And I see that often with my friends and on social media. And a lot of times I look back now and I just think, wow, I know myself. And there are, are some of my friends and people in this world that just don't. And they might be still living in that land of betrayal, but that's all they know. And it's a safe space. Yeah. So it takes courage, too, to be able to walk away or acknowledge it. And like I like how you said, admit it allow those feelings. And then that's when the release and peace comes. Yeah. Courageous action. I, so I'm going to just say this out loud, courageous action. So hold on to that, everybody. But courageous action is something that so many of the women I work with need mm-hmm. because what they desire is confidence. I hear I would say 90% of the women when I ask them, well, what do you want in this next chapter of your life? I want confidence. I want to be my a confident version of me because I feel like I have been 
not beaten down. That's the wrong words, but like just just like pushed down to nothing. And I just like, I don't know who I am anymore. And so I just want to be a confident version of me. But the confident, the most confident version of me came when I started taking courageous action. You can't just have courage and you can't just have action. You need to take courageous action to step into the life that you want to have and the woman you want to be. And only from that space do I, I believe that's where the confidence comes from. It comes from proof. And proof comes from doing it over and over and over and over. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do a back handspring. And then I gradually move, you know, take courageous action into bending over and then having somebody kind of lift me over and then over and over and over and over and over again. And finally I can do a back handspring. And I'm like, I love doing back handsprings, right? (laughs) Where you're just, you just can't do enough of them because now you've proven to yourself that you can trust where you're at, but that only comes with courageous action. So I'm wondering, you know, I think this goes hand in hand with this gift of singleness. What kinds of courageous action did you give yourself permission to take in this, in this next chapter, you know? Or was well, there any? I think I feel like I'm, the tears are welling a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can feel that. I can. That one, um, It is. It's giving yourself permission. Yes. It's giving yourself permission to um, sit on the couch. It's giving yourself permission to go out for a walk. I live by a nature center and it has been my, I call it my oasis. Yes. Um, traveling, you know, I'm able to travel and I have found a richness in my life. Um, and not monetary. That means money, right? Yeah. <laughs> not monetary, but just yeah, the fullness and richness of being around other people, getting different perspectives and embracing that. I think just those, those action steps. I mean, even just sitting is a courageous thing to do when you just want to go, go, go. And that was hard. And sometimes it still is very hard for me just to sit and be still. Uh, That's really courageous, isn't it? Like, especially when you're used to um, having somebody on the other line, especially in like that kind of situation where, you know, you can't meet up with them, but you can message them a lot and you can talk to them a lot and you can maybe you're sending who knows but like to actually sit and be still with it and let everything settle in, let everything be absorbed that you've been trying to push away and deflect because it's, you yeah. think it's too painful is probably to me, one of the courageous, most courageous things I've ever done. Yeah. And really too, I think a, a big part, and I think, not I think, I know a huge part of me releasing this book is about opening up my hands. And just letting things be, you know, this again, this is a very vulnerable book. It is not just a book. It's a book about my life. And I, I continuously, the comments will come. People will say unkind things. We know that that's our broken world, but there will be so much goodness. And I truly do believe this that will come out of this. And I have an amazing, 
I'm going to start crying, but amazing support system. Yeah. Um, and to this day, even last week, like trying to, it took courageousness to allow myself to surface the feelings that I, and the emotions that all of this was bringing, but my hands are so open mm-hmm. to where God is leading me. Um, and it, it's, I, I've been telling people it's hard to describe, honestly, because yeah. I am a very heavy empath and highly sensitive. And I can't necessarily put it into words, but I just, I guess maybe open. I'm mm-hmm. open and releasing this book into the world is opening up another chapter that I don't know what's out there. And it's an excitement. Like the last seven years, I've had this book in my mind. And literally, um, in my book, I give a lot of, uh, I think, a page or two of different resources. But I'm halfway through The Body Keeps the Score. Oh, that's really um, good. And it it was a lot of healing. Again, I'm only halfway through because I know myself. But allowing yourself to feel, I can feel like that release is coming. Once this book is out into the world. And I mean, that does. I love that phrase, courageous action. It takes that. Yeah. And that's what I'm, and that is what I'm doing. And so it almost brings a piece um, for you to say that. Yeah. And, and going back to when you had talked about courageous action and talking to women and the thing that they want is confidence. Well, what does that mean to you? You know, what taking the time to really, be still and sit with what is you can say you want to be confident, but what does that mean? What does that look like, sound like, feel like in your life with other people? There's, you know, we can just throw out any word, but really digging deep into what that means, because that is a huge piece of finding who you are and loving yourself for who you are. That is that is huge. It really is. Redefining so many things in your life is such a powerful practice. What does love mean to me? What does success mean to me? What a, all these words actually mean to, to me, for me, so that when I connect with other people and understand what that means to them, like it makes a lot more sense. Um, I also think that uh, starting to journal throughout your process is a very courageous act that everyone can tap into. And obviously, sharing your experiences with the world through a book is a massive, massive courageous action. Um, When you were saying kind of the openness, like, I can't describe it. All I like, I can feel it in my body right now. It's like, it's pretty massive. I get a lot of like energetic pings when I'm talking to people. And it it actually, what it, it bringing up to me is like, just surrender. Like there comes a point in your life when you can give, you can bring peace on when you decide to surrender to it. When you decide to say it's out there, but it's out there for me. Like your book is out there and it's easy for us to say that it's for other people because it is. Obviously you sharing your story is, but first and foremost, it's for you. And if you can let this piece of art out into the world, not caring what other people think about it, but knowing how you feel about it and knowing that 
however others need to receive it is how it's exactly how it's meant for them. Like we don't have to control it. We don't have to. It's just this openness is first and foremost to me surrender. But the second thing that you described is, um, something that I think is so special that I see so often in my practice. And that is what I call making space for joy, making room for joy. And we do this oftentimes, at least this is what I've seen, is there is a power in telling your story, which is why I always invite people to jump on a call with me for 20 minutes and just share your story. It was one of the best things I ever did for myself was I got on a call with somebody I didn't even know, but I felt safe and I shared my story. And it was the first time, I mean, I, I sloppy cried. I, I just looked like a hot mess, but it was the first time I actually said it out loud. And then after that, I could tell it again and I could tell it again yes. and I could tell it again. And the more that we can actually tell it, it doesn't necessarily change the story. But it's like if you're wearing a 50 pound backpack, then you tell it the first time and now it feels like 45 pounds and then it feels like 40 pounds and then it feels like 35 pounds. And what I will say about that release is it feels lighter and it makes space. And while you may always carry around the backpack, because, but believe me, it's a gift, there may be always a two pound weight in your backpack that went from 50 pounds to two, that you'll never forget the weight that that pain carries. But it's a reminder of how much you can carry and how much you've released. And um, because I tell people all the time, like I hear women all the time say like, I just feel like I haven't let it all go yet. And I'm like, just know that there might always be a piece, but now you have so much space. You have so much space to climb the dang mountain without the 50 pounds, to do all the things, yeah. to have all the joy, to fill it up with treasures and memories and things that have meaning to you because you no longer have this weight on you. So I think that that openness and all of that is creating so much space for you once you put this beautiful piece out into the world. It's, it's like telling your story at the highest level gets to bring you so much more space and lightness if you want it to. I love that analogy. I think, you know, I, I have a few analogies as well. Um, but the main piece, well, two main. You're right about this book. Yes, to bring it to people, to have them feel less alone. But what I didn't realize it was going to bring and only God could do this was the healing. Yes. Healing story, my healing journey. And um, I was not expecting that. And it was about a year or so ago that that clicked for me and how healing it was to get those words out, um, put on paper, put on a computer um, to just get them out of your body. And that's what you're saying of telling your story. And that's what I write about, too, of we all have our stories. And depending what type of personality you are, it whether that is talking out loud to someone about your story or writing it in a notebook or I call them brain dumps. So just yeah. brain dumping out, um, tight, you know, texting it to someone, whatever it is. It's, I also use the phrase, it's better out than in. Yeah. Um, but get your words out and then they, you know, they're not in there anymore. So that healing journey. Um, but also you, said, and it's so funny, 
I know my mom will be listening to this. I love you, mom, so much. Um, just last week, she sent me a little Snoopy dog, a little gift. Snoopy dog with a heart. I Hearts are my thing. Uh, I love hearts and ladybugs, but there's this heart. And the phrase in the message was about letting it go and being courageous to do that. I don't remember exact words. But for years, you know, you can, again, going back to just words meaning something of letting it go. And my mom has often said, just let it go. And sometimes I have gotten annoyed or upset. Like, oh yeah, me too. I did. I let it go. <laughs> but but it doesn't mean I have forgotten it. That's so nice. you can let it go. And just that's your backpack analogy of that two pounds is still there. And that two pound weight, my story that I'm sharing is a, who has, it has made me who I am today. Yes. And so, yes, I'm, I, it's almost, and I guess I didn't think about this until now, but I am going to wear that backpack with loud and proud it, because I know, although what I've been through, you know, was devastating and all of us go through that in some aspect, but it's also how you think about it. And I also refer to this book by Adam Grant in the resource section called Think Again. And it changed. I read it a few years ago and it, I'm an educator. I'm in education. So I really liked it because it wasn't fully all about education. It was just about life and being able to rethink things um, and think of things differently. And sometimes that will make you uncomfortable. And so another one of my sayings you were talking about some of yours of we grow in the uncomfortable and it takes courage to be uncomfortable. That's so good. That's so good. I mean, the backpack analogy also is that what held us, what was holding us down or breaking our back or hurting our shoulders or making us just want to take a break and not carry on anymore is no longer doing that. It can still be there but it doesn't hold us down anymore. It doesn't hold us back. It doesn't keep us from moving forward. And before it was, it was literally holding us back, holding us hostage in one spot. I have a, I have a really interesting question for you. And it's one that I love asking people, but I can only ask certain people because not everyone's ready for it. But I, I feel like all the work you've done, you will be. And that is when you think about that version of you, who was, we'll just say, kind of newly wounded, uh, fresh to the news, all the feels. What did that version of you need to hear most? You're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to be okay. I, I think that is a really good, powerful question that you can't, can't see me, listeners. But again, I'm tearing up because to see where... I was then compared to now. And even even just my appearance, I dyed my hair dark, dark, like black. Like what was, I was hiding on the inside. It was coming out. And, you know, I was in that go mode once everything surfaced. And I just needed kind of like your mom hug of, I just needed to say to myself, hug myself, you're going to make it through and you're going to be okay. You are going to do this. 
Yeah. Ooh, I love that so much. All the, all of the feels on that one. It's really like that self, self empowerment, self encouragement, self reassurance. And it can, the thing is, it can only come from you. So anyone listening yeah. who's feeling like they're in that space and place, it can only come from you. So I encourage anybody listening to answer that question for yourself. What does this version of you need most right now? And don't try to be cute with it. And don't try to like overthink it. Just ask yourself that question and then figure out how to give it to yourself. Because touch is really powerful. It's one of our top four healing modalities that I teach. And everybody says, yeah, but like, what if I don't have somebody that I, that who can touch me or, you know, you can touch yourself. You can, you can hug yourself. You can massage yourself. Like you could, there's a lot of ways that you can use touch in a powerful way. Um, on the healing journey. So I just love, what did you need most? It's a really, a really powerful question. So what are, um, a couple of, I mean, I feel like you've shared so many already. So this might be a harder question and it's okay if you're, if you're like, read the book because I feel like it's all going to be in there. But what are some of the things that you learned through the journey of finding yourself? Cause you've really done so much to like, reclaim who you are and find who you are and write about it. Like, what are a couple of the things that you've learned? This is going to be really huge for me to say this because I, in this moment, I do fully believe it, that I am good enough. Um, all my life, I don't know, you know, there's just that feeling of not being good enough, but I am. And I've discovered that. Yeah. And throughout this too, of just, Knowing it's okay to make mistakes, whether that be, you know, saying something um, to a significant other, a friend, whoever it may be, your boss, the power and importance of communication. So I look in uh, with myself and also with relationships I've had, again, friendships, your boss, any, any relationship, it's communication is essential. And again, going back, it's not always easy. And um, you have to lean into those harder conversations. And I think that is something, um, can't remember your question now, but that is something I've learned and had to take time to grow in. Uh, Acknowledging some conversations are going to be challenging or crucial conversations. And that's another resource, a book that I put in um in the resource section of and it's hard. No one people don't like to like conflict, you know. Yeah. But it it almost and kind of going back to yourself of power empowerment, it almost empowers you. Yeah. And and it builds relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And so seeing, seeing those things in myself, does that answer your question? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, things that you've learned in, in this journey. And I know when you and I chatted a little while ago, you also said like, you owe it to yourself to take time to unlock areas of your night life that need to be healed. And I thought that, wow. I mean, give yourself that gift to unlock those spaces and places of yourself that need to be healed. You also said, you know, discover your faith. 
whatever that means for you. I can tell you that I had stopped listening to my Christian station for a long time. But when I was going through it, I could only listen to that. And it was a big change for me. Um, you know, like, and you also said, take time to unlock really what's va- of value to you, what you believe and, um, lean into who you have been and, and are creating yourself to be. So I just, it's, it's just so that. good. I my own words. Yeah. Those are your words, not mine. Those are your words. I just wrote them down so I wouldn't forget. So thank well, I'm you, glad you for did that. It. I want to hit right. on a, a couple of things really quickly before we have to end. And the sure. first one is, um, that you told me you do social media fasting. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like and why you do it? Ooh, social media fasting. Yes. Um, there probably one reason, maybe one reason why it took me so long to write the book. I was, I numblessly scrolled. So how many of us numblessly scroll? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just who we are. So I know when a fast is, um, needed. And I have actually, Wendy Speak, also a resource in my book, has a, um, a few devotional chapter books out there, like 40 day sugar fast, 40 day social media fast. And so I, um, bought this book and I've actually, I think five or six groups of my friends different at different times have, I've kind of led these little small groups into this. 40 day social media fast. So, and not to scare you off, because I know a lot of times with um, people that I've talked to, it's like, well, my business is on social media. She does explain, like, you don't have to go cold turkey if you don't want to, but yeah. it, it's just be that awareness um, because it, it can be a time sucker. And one of my favorite things is on Sundays, especially while I do it, is when that time limit or like your, if her phone time is down, yes. 15%, I'm like, Oops. I'm so proud of myself when that happens on Sunday where it's like, you're down two, two hours this week. I'm like, wow, I got two hours of my life back. That's yes. amazing. And that is exactly what I love about the social media fast because you find time to read or walk, hang out with friends. You're actually finding time to figure out what fills you up. Yes. That is Rather number than, one. That yes. is number one. Like I've wasted so much time. If I put all that time together, what else, how else could I be serving my soul? Because I hear so many people say, I don't have time. I don't have time. Well, there is time in there, right? And the other thing is, I know so many people who are going through heartache and heartbreak. It could be so beneficial to go through a social media fast because the first thing that we want to do, whether we want to admit it or not, is we want to troll. We want to look at what everybody else is doing and what they're doing. And comparison is just a stinker and can really mess us up by, oh, they're doing all these things and my life really stinks right now. But not only that, sometimes we want to poke into the world of the person that maybe we're no longer need to be poking with. And then it just hurts and delays our desires more and more and more. So really taking a good, honest look at how I can spend my time and how I can distance myself from this pain is... So important. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you've already read my book, Heidi, because I about that all of that too. About yeah, it, you will go down the rabbit hole. There will be times that 
Yeah. You look up your ex or yeah. seeing what they're doing. Um, and you're aware of it, but it's again, going back to you have the power, you have the control to not look those things up either. And sometimes, although even it's hard, but sometimes you just have to stop. Yeah. And when you take that social media app off your phone, um, it's helpful. It, yeah, it is. It really is. It really is. Okay. So I have to just cram this last question in here because I think it's super important. But a lot of women these days, I have heard so, so many women ask the question, how do you be single in your thirties? What would you tell those 20 year olds, 30 year olds who maybe feel like you were feeling or facing some of the struggles that you shared today. Like, what do we tell these women about singleness? What do we tell them? How do we bring them some inspiration, some hope, like some, like no BS, just like give it to us. Well, I'm going to have to say, uh, you want to do another podcast on that question? Oh, oh I think we should. I think we should. Yeah. Let's save that for a rainy day. Cause I think that's a really, really, really big topic. And I, and I think that you and I can dive in 10, 20 layers deep. So. You guys hold on to your horses because this, that one's going to come around and I know everybody's chomping at the bit. Well, and I will say, I think, you know, knowing myself in my twenties, when you're surrounded by couples and all these things and love all around, um, just enjoy life. Like just do you and do life. I know that's a phrase people use often, but. Um, really embrace this time. Yeah. Singleness does not get to happen for an extent, you know, years and years sometimes. And you're not guaranteed, you are not guaranteed to get married yeah. or have a family. Okay. So again, you have a choice to either wallow in that or make your life and live it. And unlock, like you said, unlock those pieces of yourself that are, might be holding you back to further walk you forward Mm. you i'll i'll close on on this one well i'll ask you my closing questions but to your point there you had said to me last time like there is joy within every day but you have to look up what do you mean what do you mean by that um there are going to be not so good days there will be bad days um, and I think it was when I started acknowledging that and it's not rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. So allow and admit yourself to allow yourself that some days are just not that great. However, I do. I'm a firm believer. There are little bits of joy in every day. Absolutely. And you have to sometimes look for them. Oh, so yeah. Years, the heartache, the heartbreak. Um, just look, I. Every morning, I'm I'm a journaler. So every morning, I start with three things I'm grateful for that morning. That's right. A lady or a friend of mine in a small group, she put it perfectly one time of um, anxiety and gratefulness cannot coincide. Like they can't happen at the same time. So fill yourself with your gratitude. Fill yeah. your life with joys. For sure. I believe wholeheartedly that what we focus on expands. And that's why I created the practice of joy spotting. So I love that you said there is joy within every day, but you got to look up because if you choose to look for it, you will find it. If you choose to not look for it, I guarantee you won't find it. But those little joy spots 
added up to a little bit, a little bit more that I could put in my backpack, right? That didn't create heaviness. They created even more lightness. It was like adding balloons to the backpack, I guess, if you will, if we'll use that <laughs> analogy, right? It's like it kept lifting and lifting and lifting. And even though I didn't feel joyful, I knew that it existed because I saw it. So I knew if it existed, I could eventually have it again and feel it again, even when I wasn't feeling it in that moment. And I think that that is so, so powerful. Yeah. So and knowing that it takes time, it can yeah, take time. Sometimes right. it can be immediate, but sometimes it can take time and it can just lean into that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So how can our listeners get more of you in their life? How are they going to get their hands, their hot little hands on this hot little book? <laughs> um, so I'm on Facebook and Instagram. And I also, I, my website is not published just yet. Um, but I, you can find me at stacyshapansky.com and through the website will be linked, um, where you can find my book. So it, it should be selling through Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and I believe Walmart is what my publisher has told me. Um, but I also am very passionate about relationships and building relationships. So I also have a new email account that are in, it's in the show notes as well. Um, and I would love, I'm so personable. Um, if you would like a signed copy of my book, feel free to email me as well and we can, um, exchange, you know, money and whatever else. So you can get that <laughs> signed copy because I am so, I want it to be personable in order for you to dig deep into it. And a big part of this book too, it has evolved into, um, pausing and reflecting. So, you know, even if it's shooting me an email of any reflections you have or commenting on a social media, but those are some areas that you can. Beautiful. Beautiful. I know that they're going to find it. They're going to get it. Um, if you guys have any questions, just check out the show notes or DM me. Um, and I will get you on the fast track to Stacy. If you have any trouble locating all of her details, we will make sure you get connected right away. And I know they're going to want their signed copies. So get ready for your inbox to be full. It's so good. Um, my, I have two closing questions I ask every guest. So the first okay. one is, what is one thing that you love about you? Your questions. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, this has evolved again, but I can, the first thing that came to my mind is how empathetic I am. Yeah. I, it can be heavy at times, but I, I'm cherishing that and I'm leaning into that's how God has created me to be. And that's how I connect to people. And, um, so yeah. I have an empath book that I'm going to bring you when I come see you again, um, when I see you next, because it's really, really good. But I love that about you, too. And, and empaths have a superpower and um, yours is really special that you are that. So I love that. I love your kindness. I love your good heart and all the things that you are bringing to this world through your book and yourself and your story. And the last question that I have for you is what does joy feel like in your body? Oh, man. <laughs> light. Mm -hmm. And I and not just like the feeling of light. Yes. I'm I'm saying like light, like light me up. Yes. Uh, yeah. And 
I, I'm truly on this earth. I feel like we all are to spread God's light and love. And so that's what joy brings me. And I can fully say that's what I kind of illuminate. I really yeah. do. And, and I say that in the most humbling ways, humblest ways. Cause absolutely. Uh, but yeah, that was a great question. Holy yes. We have hit all the sweet spots today for sure. I know people are probably going to want to go listen to this several times to get all the golden nuggets embodied. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing your love and your light and all of your gifts with our listeners today. Thank you so much for this. And oh, I can't wait to for the book to be out and just for you and I to continue to connect and and all your listeners. Yeah, it's going to be a fun journey for you. And just a kind reminder to all of our listeners as we close, remember you are safe, you are loved, you are enough. Go out into the world, shine your light bright and live a limitless life. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved our chat or know someone who would, take a quick screenshot and share it now or leave a five-star review so this message can reach the masses. Let's continue connecting. Drop me a DM at Your Divorce Planner or go to yourdivorceplannerhub.com to start coordinating your comeback today. You can even schedule a free connection call to dive into your desires and understand how partnering with Your Divorce Planner will be a game changer for your next chapter. Tune in next week for another transformational topic. And remember, you are loved, you are worthy, you are enough. Take care.